Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome in once again to the QB11 show. I am Doug Scott, joined as always by Andrew, QB11. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Doug. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I felt like we were just here yesterday, but we're back again. Uh, two days in a row, we got another special guest tonight for everyone. Uh, James Crepia from the Oregonian, the beat reporter covering the Oregon, all things Oregon Ducks, football, basketball, baseball, every sport under the sun. James, welcome in. Gentlemen, how are we? Good. I'm a little nervous. We haven't had any like real media in here, so I feel like it's going to be like a little bit of an uptight experience. But we'll give it a best shot here. Well, I mean, you you got you're nervous. Uh, you know, you're you're the guys who were keeping me like Matt Damon and and Jimmy Kimmel. Like I've been in the green room. You know, we had to go through the whole approval process. You know, I was asked about this months ago. I thought I was having my you know you were jerking my chain there for a while. I I, I really I just thought you know this is going to be a shtick for a while and just be like well. I'm going to have James on next time and just go for forever. But, you know, uh, well, sooner we, or later, better late than never. You, I mean, you're the hot girl, so we have to make sure that we <laughs> we court you appropriately. We can't show that we're too interested on the front end. We ask you on a date, and then uh, we come back around in a couple months to actually take you out. So, so here we are. I, I say, so you're saying that I will or won't be receiving DMs from you tomorrow. You're going to ghost me now. I think it's going to be a couple days before you hear from me, um, okay. right. just because we don't want to set the wrong expectation. We want you to feel like there's a little bit of a chase. Be well, too as, just as long as you pick me up in the Passat and you didn't go out and like rent something. <laughs> if you didn't go to like Hertz and get like one of the you know the Enterprise exotics, you know, and just go out and roll out in some you know crazy high end car. Just I think you me. got the Lambo, didn't you? Keep... Wait, hold on. You're telling me the Passat's not a high end car? <laughs> I feel a little personally attacked. Okay, well, here, here we go. Off to a great start. So, Doug, what's on the itinerary for today? Yeah, so obviously the big news, well, sort of big news. I don't think this is any surprise to anybody who, who really follows this stuff too closely. But officially official, the, the California Board of Regents today, University of California Board of Regents today, approved finally the, the UCLA move to the Big Ten by an 11 to 5 vote. Sounds like they're going to come back later and, and institute some sort of, of Cal tax uh, payment that I'll have to go from UCLA back to Cal. Uh, apparently, once the, once the <laughs> media deal is finalized, why are you laughing? Because uh, College Football Reddit tweeted the best thing about the Cal tax today. Um, they, t- they tweeted out after UCLA beat um, Maryland. UCLA wins by 27 on the road at number 20, Maryland. No word on how many of those points will be allotted to Cal for their 0-11 next game against Santa Clara. <laughs> that, that is pretty funny. I saw that. That was a, that was an epic tweet. So, James, obviously you cover the Pac-12. I'm sure this wasn't as, as exciting as sitting in a courtroom for two weeks this summer, but um, you've been covering this. You've been following this. What can what insight can you give us on on this and what this means for the conference like going forward now? Well, like so many of us have been watching it for the last, you know, basically it's like six months. Literally, 
I mean, that's not even hyper, it's not hyperbole. It's literally almost six months to the day uh, since this all really got rolling. And, you know, it finally reaches the, the logical conclusion and basically where we were on July 1st, more or less. Um, now, to your point, is it that surprising, though, because we've been doing this for this long um, and, and knew this is where it was headed? What it means for the league is still to be determined. You know, everyone's saying the quote unquote, I'm going I'm to call it the right thing. It's the thing they have to say. Like, what would you expect the commissioner to say? Like, you have a new media deal being negotiated. They were going to be waiting until after this to have that negotiation in in earnest, which that's been said for the last over month, um, you know, since the, since the uh, Cal Board of Regents process was really getting going. So in terms of the immediacy factor, I think it just ensures that the negotiation that the Pac-12 will be having with its television partners is exactly the uh, parameters by which we, we all kind of knew it to be, that there wasn't some Hail Mary attempt and some last second thing. Having said that, the, if what we're calling the Berkeley tax, the Cal tax, uh, some of these terms, I think that kind of underscores exactly the magnitude of what the impact will be here. And as I had you know, tweeted out earlier this afternoon about it, um, when, when those terms got out, whether it's $2 million, $5 million, $10 million, uh, which is the reported range, anywhere from 2 to, to $10 million, um, which I saw one or two outlets say that was going to be an annualized thing, and one made it sound closer like it was a one-off. I don't know. But bottom line, um, the higher that that number is, which is contingent upon the, PAC, the new Pac-12 deal, the higher that the Cal Board of Regents feels the number has to be for UCLA in order, in order to offset the quote-unquote damages basically done to Cal as a result of this. Th- that's the least of Cal's problems at that point. Because if the damage is that significant, if the deal is that bad, then what, what do you care about an additional five, six, or eight, or $10 million a year, or one off for that matter? If the deal's that bad, what's what's the future? What's survival in the new Pac-10, new Pac-12, Pac-14, whatever it's going to be? What does that actually look like? If the media deal is of so de minimis value, relatively speaking, doesn't that show just how wobbly a chair this whole thing is sitting on right now? So, and if it's low, like it's still obviously, you know, pales in comparison to, to the Big Ten or the SEC. So bottom line is, to me, in the short term for the league and the near term for the league, everyone's saying the same things and, and the things that they quote unquote have to say. It's not a matter of, you know, whether they believe it or not. I don't know. Honestly, you know, I haven't heard a whole lot of ringing endorsements from every president in the league publicly about this. No, like case in point today. All right. You have that news. Did, did we get some big blanket statement today? You know, we got it from the big 10 side. We got it from UCLA immediately got it from Martin Jarman immediately didn't get some big statement from the PAC 12 today. Didn't get, I didn't see a statement from Cal Berkeley today that I may have missed it. Didn't see something from the 10 other remaining presidents, chancellors and athletic directors from the PAC 10 PAC 12 today. 
So for everybody who we're all sticking together, all all ten are like minded. We're all focused on staying together. And again, George Kafka has to say that I'm not criticizing him for that. But the notion that you just buy into it because he says so, I mean, he has to say so. It would be what, what do you want him to say? Well, you know, let's call it what it is. If Washington and Oregon got an invite, we know we'd leave tomorrow. I mean, do you really want him to say that? <laughs> Truthful as it may be, yeah. like, do you, yeah. I mean, you really think a commissioner is going to come out and say that? A minute negotiation, all this. So, well, you know, I, you have to stick to certain public stances, but I think realistically and rationally, um, even the even the terms of this, you know, permissive uh, uh, move today <clears throat> show that there will obviously be economic consequences to this, and but which we all knew, and that they could be rather significant. And if they're that significant. Well, then I think some people in this conference, some institutions in this conference need to start thinking, are they better off sticking together or pursuing other avenues? Well, and yeah, obviously, I mean, go ahead, Kiwi. Well, I think that the reason that there wasn't a statement is everybody was just, is just an awestruck counting the number or all the big dollars that are coming in now with Deion Sanders at Colorado that really is just going to bolster the practical <laughs> media rights deal. Um, I heard it might double the deal. Yeah, literally just by having prime time here for 18 for months years, before yeah. he takes off. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's one of those situations where we've been discussing it all offseason. I know, James, we've had this conversation with you multiple times. Like now that, now that this chapter has been closed, I agree with you. I think now the sense of urgency for institutions like Oregon and Washington becomes even more so. And that doesn't mean that the Big Ten is going to be willing to take Oregon or Washington more, but it might change the criteria under which Oregon and Washington are willing to move because Oregon and Washington, for whatever leverage they had, which probably was none to begin with, has negative leverage now because the Pac-12 deal is going to be so poor um, without UCLA and USC that any, any negotiating leverage in regards to like what kind of share they could possibly demand um, is now gone. Yeah. I think, I think if you look at it from a numbers perspective and in the reporting, you know, and the people that you follow, I think that the guys at sports business journal do a great job. And obviously we've got some PAC 12 reporters that cover on this and it, you know, the numbers are all over the place, but when you look at them all in totality, you kind of get a sense of like, you know, what, what the ranges probably are. And at the very high end, you're talking, comparable to the big 12 money, right? Um, you know, it starts at like low thirties and, and graduates into the forties over a, of a 10 year period. Um, and that's the best case scenario. I mean, it, it could easily be much worse than that. Right. And I think that's where then you have to start thinking, you know, does that, you know, cause the mountain, the mountain and Arizona teams to start looking at the big 12 and peeling off. And we know your Mac and the big 12 have certainly been sending tons of signals that they're interested in coming out West or, or they, do they come after Oregon and Washington? I mean, if you're Oregon and Washington, what are your options? And I, I think that kind of brings me to a tweet that you sent out uh, today, James, that got a lot of people talking and, and caused me to, uh, to reach out to you today, which was uh, time for Oregon to pull out all the stops. And, so maybe that's something you could expound on a little bit by what you mean by that. Yeah, because um, I think some folks took that to mean something totally different and unrelated, um, either applying to the portal, the recruiting, or I don't know what. Um, but I had a couple of people respond to that, asking things that had nothing to do with it whatsoever. 
Um, it was like minutes after the, <laughs> the Cal Board of Regents decision. I was like, I was pretty sure for people following the conversation at the moment, you know, that the context was there, but apparently not. Um, but, you, you know, it's quote, okay. tweet, quote tweet function there. apparently. Yeah. Um, but be, be that as it may. Um, yeah, I, I think that like we've been talking about here, that there has to be every effort made. And I don't mean by back channels. I don't mean by consultants. I don't mean by boosters. I mean by the people who are in the chairs of authority and power. And I'm not saying they weren't doing it before. Let me be very clear. I'm saying that whatever was being done behind the scenes before, whatever was being done through third parties before, now has to get ratcheted up because at this point you get to the point of what is there to lose? If you make a dollar more than staying in the weakened for what we know at the moment to be Pac-10, then I would still submit to you that increased uh, logistical costs or not, you are still wildly better off in the Big Ten from a financial standpoint, from a television and exposure standpoint, to say nothing of, I don't know, the fan experience standpoint. Again, like we talked throughout the season, guys, obviously in the Twitter space and all that stuff about, and I know I'm preaching to the choir with you two, but I mean, there's this is still a business. You're still in the business of selling tickets. And yeah, you know what? The the home ticket package next season takes a step up when USC is on the schedule, when Colorado with Deion Sanders is on the schedule, when Washington's a little bit better, when Oregon State's better. But, you know, a couple of months ago, if I asked you about next season's home ticket package, everybody everybody would have gone running for the hills, except for the USC game. So by moving to the Big Ten. I mean, are you kidding? It would be sellouts every every single home game for those kind of games. So I think from a strictly business standpoint, starting, yes, with football, but for the other games as well, for the other sports as well, it would be a better move. So that's why I said, when I would say, I think it's time for them to pull out all the stops. It's if they want to make this move, if they want to move on, and again, whether that be, the uh, interim university president at the moment or Rob Mullins or you name it, who will be involved in this uh, decision-making process. This is now time after, you know, now, you know, one of the major dominoes was UCLA and what's going to happen. And is it final? And is it not? And what happened? Well, now that that's passed, now it's, it's not about intermediaries and boosters and, and consultants anymore. Now it's got to be, like real decisions have to be made because if you don't make those moves, if you don't make every single effort imaginable, if that's the move you want to make. And I realize there are some fans out there who don't want to make it. Either they like the tradition or they think, well, competitively it's easier to get there. <sighs> that's not, you're missing the point. The short term, that's that. short term. That's thinking. a short term. That's totally short term thinking. You don't, you don't make decisions like that. If it's about short term thinking, then yeah, then stick around in a league that competitively speaking, you should, should, from a resources standpoint, be rather dismissive about much of the competition. Whether or not you beat them this past season or not, that's not the issue. Right. First off. Second off, in an um, unequal distribution of revenue under such a premise, uh, that's also short-sighted. Now, you could say, well, we're only talking about doing a six-year or eight-year deal until the next thing. Well, then all you're doing is just kicking the can. And then you're just punting in order to say that the next person who's in the chair will do it. The next president, 
who's, you know, since there isn't one right now in a full-time capacity, you know, all oh, it'll be up to the next president or the one after that. And whether it'll be up to Rob at that point or somebody else after that, we'll just kick the can down the road until the next deal. No, to me, you haven't, if, you, if there is any opportunity at all, any at all, and clearly with Kevin Warren, he has shown a <laughs> rather wide open willingness to being aggressive in all of this. Now is the time. Because who knows if he's the commissioner in the Big Ten six or eight years from now, or if he goes in a different direction entirely, and who knows what the tolerance for that person is for further expansion or not. If there is an opportunity there, I think this is the time to take. If that's the avenue you want to pursue as an institution, I think you have to go and push the envelope in every way imaginable, directly as possible, with the people who are ultimately going to make the decision and say, we are willing to do X. If we get invited, we are willing to take X. That's what needs to be said explicitly, directly, not intermediaries and any other back channels. Yeah, and I think that's that's to me the open question. I mean, it seemed clear that the Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren was willing to add more teams, uh, you know, presumably from uh, they were never named officially, obviously, but we're talking about Oregon, Washington, and maybe some others. Um, but it ultimately seemed like that that died out you know, do the big 10 presidents not being as willing to take that on. But, you know, there was also going on at that time, late summer, early fall talk about, you know, would Oregon wash and some of these other schools take a reduced payout. I think what, what you're talking about is that scenario, right? And we don't know what was floated behind the scenes as far as would those schools be willing to take a reduced payout in the big 10 for a while. And if so, to what level and, and, and maybe to your point, now that there's less leverage and, and less certainty, you know, maybe you were willing to take 75% before, but you're willing to take 50% now. And I'm just making up those numbers. But. Yeah, and that's, that's why I asked Kevin Warren about, regardless of what happened, when I asked him last week at um, the Sports Business Journal's uh, annual intercollegiate athletics forum in Las Vegas last week, I asked him, regardless of what happens with UCLA, is there an appetite for um, – further expansion, uh, particularly for some uh, prospective member who would be willing to take less than a full share or is the full or is expansion only viable if uh, somebody is bringing enough to the table to warrant a full share and therefore, you know, they're bringing enough revenue in to to receive that. And, you know, he said a few words. None of them were no. None of them were you know, it, it was, well, you know, every circumstance is different and this and that. Okay. You know, but the bottom line is if it's, you must bring a full share and be worthy of a full share, or we're not even talking to you. The answer is, yeah, no, we're not, we're not doing that. He didn't say that. So, and then I even said, well, you know, um, Oregon fans, you know, for, for my audience, you know, they're, they're pretty dialed into what you do here. So <laughs> I will probably be in touch quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, even if you if you get into the well, what if they stay proposition, short term or otherwise, it may work out nicely for Oregon in the short term to stay put. Not just because about playoff viability or any of that. I'm like I'm not going there. I'm talking about strictly on the dollars and cents of this. All right, but then if the Pac-12 comes up with such a uh, unequal revenue distribution model based on performance and success. You know, again, Klyovkov told me back in July at Pac-12 media day, well, you know, we might give half of the conference's playoff revenue allocation to the playoff participant, to the conference champion. You know, 
okay. But if I'm the t- if I'm one of the schools who has no chance whatsoever of being that team, at least no chance in the the, the horizon of the timeline of the deal that's being discussed. The guy that the, the program getting the fifty percent share potentially of the conference's entire portion of the playoff revenue. That sounds great to Oregon or Washington or, you know, whoever the, the third option, you know, sure. But how does that sound for Arizona or Washington state right now? And how or Cal and how viable is that? And for how long, if you're going to do that with that, and you're going to do that with uh, NCAA tournament uh, bids and payouts. Yeah. How does that sound for Cal right now? We're talking yeah, about I the mean, Cal tax and everything else. What? How? How far behind? Like they're already behind on an equal distribution. They're going to be somewhere in the relative ballpark of ahead, behind, or whatever. It doesn't really matter. We know they're going to be way behind the the SEC and the Big Ten, regardless. All right. Well, if you make it an unequal distribution at some levels based on performance, how much further behind do you want those who are behind already to get? Yeah, I mean, you're just going to create. Uh, you know, a very uncompetitive league, right? Then you have the big gonna, 12. That's which what you is have. Only gonna, yeah. The old big 12, right. Which yeah. is only going to diminish the value of, of the league in the next contract. Right. Cause okay, right. great. You've got two or three teams at the top, but, but how many games like, you know, most, you know, most weeks you're going to have one or zero games that, that are going to actually draw any kind of eyeballs. Cause you're just watching. It's just a bunch of bad teams otherwise. Right. So that's yeah, where I it, say, like, I, I, I'm not saying there is no viability to a short-term staying put. You could come up with and concoct and and skew the numbers any which way to to pay off those who need to be appeased. I'm not looking for the short-term solution. I'm looking for if you're in that chair, you have the responsibility for the short-term, but also for the long-term health of the institution, of the department, of the, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. If I was the the powers that be at Oregon, I would do everything I could to get into the Big Ten at whatever, you know, undervalued deal I have to take to get in the door, right? And by the way, you can set it up undervalued, like we're talking about, with what if they stay put? You can set it up undervalued and then say, well, what if, what if, in the years that Oregon does draw a really good television audience in the league and competes and does well. Yeah, we get a little bonus or something. That, yeah. you know, if the whole thing is, well, you know, you're in a state that's three point whatever million people with the 27th largest television market, I believe. You can correct me, Doug. You're, you're yeah, but let's be honest, stuff. James. I mean, or, if Oregon was in the is in the Big Ten right now, like it would be it would be above the middle of the of the line from a right, but you're, perspective but are you divisions or are you division or divisionless one two it's not about about one off and two off year kind of circumstances it's about the question that the big 10 and, and the people ultimately negotiating the tv deals would have with these things is what are the how many television sets are you going to light up when you stink Right, because they but, want to make sure that in the event of disaster, they're going to draw more than half the teams that are already in the Big Ten. But it doesn't matter because they're already there. Right, they don't have to prove the value to a certain extent. Yes, you know. yeah. So the point is like, uh, but they don't yeah, have the yeah. population base, the the, the domestic yeah. television market base, and the alumni base, um, uh, the the size of which of of many, not all, but many of the Big Ten institutions. So uh, you know that happen to congregate around the greater Chicago area. So yeah. if you're not going to light up televisions in the area of the country that's most populated, 
on a week-to-week basis when you are not good is the hypothetical here. Forget about when you're good. Yeah, anybody can negotiate, then things are fantastic. How about when things aren't? And that's the, when you're the one paying the check, <laughs> you don't get bamboozled about and, and blown away by when everything is fantastic and the roads are aligned with gold. You have to assume that, you know, the faucet's turned off and now what's it yeah. worth? And that's a problem. Again, we've talked about this in spaces. I get that. Like I get about that. Yeah. the, you know, the, the problem that Oregon has is that it's in Oregon, that if, or that if UO was located in, in a, a metropolis like Phoenix, it would have been the Big Ten yesterday. And yeah. that's just being realistic about it. Yeah. You know, but, I, I but, you know, fair. he's down there. So, you know, he can, you know, he can make it happen. He can I, I think go it, up in the yes. satellite campus. You know, so going back to, to what I was saying, I think if I was, if I was Oregon, right, you would make every, every pitch you could to the big 10 to get in at, obviously you can't take nothing, right. But you can take a bad deal, you know, for five, six years. And, and cause you're gaining the bigger term picture over the long haul. But, but beyond that, James, uh, you know, then obviously one of the fallbacks is okay. We we buy time in the pack in the pack ten right for the next five six years and and hope in the next round of of contract and renegotiations and potential realignment we can we can try again right. So that's the way I look at staying in this conference. Is if I'm I hope the way that the the leaders at Oregon would be thinking about this is worst case scenario. Let's stay here, get the best deal we can to buy time. Uh, to keep ourselves positioned for, you know, five years down the road. But but let me ask you, QB, you want to chime in here on any of this? Yeah, I mean, I just think that the sense of urgency needs to be turned up at this point because I don't think that there's a path to financial viability remaining in the Pac-10. Or even, like, adding San Diego State doesn't move the needle. Like, that. Like that's no. not – you're just cutting it the same. It does help, but it's not – it doesn't offset the loss by any stretch of the imagination. It doesn't bring you within the realm of competitiveness with the top leagues in college football. No, no, that for sure. Yeah. So like that, in my opinion, and like, and, and we all have different, I guess, opinions of what move the needle means. But to me, moving the needle is you are now set up for long-term financial viability. And frankly, the only, the only viable option for that for Oregon has always been the big 10. Like, the SEC isn't going to happen. It doesn't make any sense on any level. There's already two schools out West now in the big 10 from a scheduling standpoint. Um, I think that makes things a little bit easier. There's obviously academic fit uh, with the uh, AAU schools, but at this point, I think what you've said is exactly right, James. It's no longer about like backroom posturing, kind of flirting with one another about what, like what this might be able to look like. Now it's brass tax time. Like, what do we like? What do we? When I say we, what do the administrators at the University of Oregon and, the, and in the athletic department need to do to make a deal work? Because even if it's even at, like, let's just say like worst case scenario, like you said, you're making one dollar more leaving than staying. It makes sense in the long term because you're aligning yourself with a sustainable, more viable long term product in in the Big Ten Conference. Versus remaining in a short term, I mean, really, like whatever the Pac-10 ends up being is going to be a short term entity. Like the, I, I doubt the Pac-10 exists if it maintains existence through this contract. It, I don't think it's going to exist after the one after that. Like, I don't think that we're talking about the Pac-10 as like a. Oh, great! No, absolutely. It, it's certainly not. It's, it's if it does, it's name only, right? Yeah, no. For for the mid twenty thirties, absolutely no. That's. What we were talking about back in the summer before the playoff deal got approved. And um, 
in the immediate aftermath of the LA school's departure for the big 10, everything I had said then, while it did not prove to come to fruition, and I wasn't projecting it to come to fruition. I was saying that it could have, and as a statement of fact that it could have, and that if certain people wanted to be as ruthless as whether I would have or, or certain other folks would have is beside the point. If Kevin Warren and Greg Sankey and their respective presidents wanted to be as absolutely cutthroat ruthless as some people are in the business world and just say, oh, you're not approving the playoff? Well, cool. We got it. We're running it. We came up with it. And uh, we're going to do 12 teams. And it's just going to be six from us and six from us. And uh, the rest of you guys can figure out what you want to do. And then it becomes, oh, well, then, if, well, then, then, then what? Well, then what? It's mass consolidation. That was yeah. absolutely a, possi- a possibility. I'm not saying probability. Obviously, it didn't happen. But that's because some I, people I think- in the system are very statesmanly <laughs> and other people are a little bit more cutthroat. I don't think when we come around to the mid-2030s, when all these deals are going to coincide yet again, and probably the new playoff deal, we don't know the length of the term yet on that. We still don't know. We just know it's starting they, in 24. Yeah, it doesn't exist yet. So. Right, exactly. I mean, we know it's starting yeah. in 24 in the new format and, and we post-26, uh, uh, whether or not they're, you know there's on-campus, off-campus, blah, 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 blah. Right, but for how long? So it's like, oh, from 26 to 36, from 26 to 34? You know, but where it falls in that ballpark in the mid-2030s, again, when the ACC Network's deal is in Grand Rights is up and the Big 12 and the new Big 10's deal and the SEC's deal and everybody's back open again, Oh boy. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think we're going to be, I don't know if by 2030, whatever, 35, six, seven, we're going to be talking about a FBS with a quote unquote power five. I, I have no idea no. what it'll look like. I'm I not mean, beginning even, to project that far out, but I, yeah. I would be very surprised to see if we have all 11 people and it's, you know, the, the 10 conferences in Notre Dame all sitting around the table yet again in 14 years. I would be I mean, very it could, it could even be, go ahead, go ahead, give me. 13 years ago, like we're, we aren't even thinking that where we're at right now with NIL and everything is a possibility. I mean, we could be in a full on employee model. Yeah. And like, like college football fundamentally or college sports as an instant, as a, as a institution could be completely different in 2035 than it is in 2022. And I'm actually sure it probably will be right. Like there's going to be a lot of twists and turns between now and then, but the, like long-term financial viability of the Pac-10, like the, the fate of that is sealed. Like, yeah, you might be able to scrap something together to be competitive with the Big 12 in the short term, but everybody who signs on for the grant of rights for that is going to be looking for greener pastures and preparing for greener pastures at the end of that contract. And so if you're Oregon, like something a wise man once says, what said was like, whatever must happen inevitably should happen now. Like yeah. now, now is the time to make this happen because you can get, get in, get comfortable. You can like deal with your reduced payout for this first contract and possibly put yourself in a position for the next contract um, to, to make, to maybe improve your position within the conference, your new conference from a standing and financial standpoint. I mean, you could even argue, and I, I think you would argue, or I would argue that, you know, we talked about even if you make one dollar more, the move is still worth making. I'd argue even if you make a little oh, bit less. less, the move yeah. is still worth making, right? Just from a visibility standpoint, how many more eyeballs are you going to get? How many more 
people are going to come to your games and, and generate more revenue at the game. How many, you know, how much better is that help your recruiting? You know, your coach. How about every game? How about every game being on television coast to coast and not on a network that has less than 20,000 households, uh, 20 million households. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's likely to happen regardless, but it's it, the, the, the value of being on a major network that's broadcast over the air in the middle of the day, a lot of your games would be on the middle of the day or, or prime time, you know, East Coast, Central Time, um, versus being on Amazon or Apple or something like that. <laughs> Half your games being on those, it, it's a no-brainer, even if you have to take a little bit of a, of a loss in the short term. So let me pivot a little bit, James. Uh, so there's, I, I have an ongoing discussion with, with some other Oregon fans who are adamant that we should be trying to get into the Big 12 yesterday. And I could not disagree with that more strongly because um, I don't think the big 12 Why would is the big necessarily 12 any sense? improvement over or over where we're or the for, Pac-10. for one for one. So there's a faction out there who there's the faction who wants to stay traditional and, and operate circa, I don't know, 1970 something. There's the faction who wants the Big Ten, and there's a faction who wants the Big Twelve because I just want to make sure I understand the rationale. Uh, I think the rationale is the they feel the Big Twelve is a more competitive league to be in, and that it will make you know get more eyeballs and make incrementally more money than the Pac-10. I don't. Okay, I'm gonna jump in while James like. Figures out. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have yeah. to digest that for a moment. Yeah, that, that requires some digestion. But like, in my opinion, just looking at this from a business perspective, like I, I would look at this from the same standpoint of like switching brokerages multiple times, right? Like switching brokerages once is a pain in the ass. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of problems you have to solve. There's a lot of transition that takes place. When going to the Big 12 to me doesn't make any sense relative to staying in the Pac-10 from a financial standpoint, you're not getting the financial cost benefit and the eyeball benefit of, or of, the long-term stability benefit of the big 10 when you go to that league. So you're, you're, you're eating those travel costs. You're dealing with the, the, the same lack of visibility in the big 12 that you deal with in the pac 12. Um, and you're not getting any of those long-term benefits that we're talking about that you're really like the, the opportunity cost doesn't make any sense of going to the big 12. To me, because I don't think that going to the Big 12 sets you up better to join the Big 10 at a later point than staying in the uh, Pac-10. At it actually it actually would likely set you up worse because I agree. 99 year uh, you know, deal and the buyout that would come with that um, for one. But uh, all right, let's start. Let's start first and foremost, because you remember it, it's not, you know, the duck is not the one voting on this. It's the person in, in a university hall who as I'm sure many, the sport fan has learned over the last couple of years, most university presidents and chancellors wouldn't know a football from a hockey puck. So that's not, you know, the the people making these decisions is still going to actually, believe it or not, a lot of it's going to be rooted in academia. Um, To go to the big 12 between BYU, TCU, K-State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Baylor, West Virginia, um, Cincinnati, UCF, um, Houston. I think like 
after Texas and Oklahoma leave, I think like nine or ten of the members are non-AAU. Most, yeah, the vast majority. So I don't see from a purely academic side, I know everybody can roll their eyeballs at that, but again, like, you know, there's a reason why the Board of Regents at UCLA was who, you know, had to rubber stamp this at the end, 11 to 5, such as it was. Um, you know, Doug, I, you know, if anything, I think Oregon fans should blame you, Doug. You know, you, you could have sent at least a few Nike packages down to the to the 11 who approved it at the Board of Regents. You know, I think, you know, you could have swung at least, you <laughs> no. just have to swing four more minds, you know, you no, know, Oregon no, might have no, gotten no, back no, channel. No, no. For the um, record, I, nothing I would ever do. I, no, I, no. I I'm, kid, I kid, I kid. <laughs> you're going to get me in trouble. I kid, I kid. But, but no, truly, to go to the Big 12, I, I, I under like to me. I guess like, what's the upside? The upside is what opening up Texas. I don't think you have to be in a conference with Texas-based schools to do that. No, Oregon's um, already look at look I mean, at Oregon's we're doing pretty good in Texas. Class. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but but with that, they have several Big Twelve schools scheduled over the next six years. Yeah, but that like I'm but I'm sorry, but one game in Texas every third year isn't the difference between a kid coming to Oregon or not. Like like it's Oregon, a selling point that they would have versus don't have. Yeah, but that's not going to be the focus of the recruiting pitch. Like, I, f- I follow recruiting as close as anybody. Like, th- that's not, not not the primary by any stretch of the imagination, but it is something to say. It is something to be said. I'm sorry, but you're not you're not convincing me that any of these parents are excited for the seven hour drive from the Dallas Fort Worth area to Lubbock to watch Oregon play one time. I, hey, I'm not telling you that it should, school decisions get made on some flimsier ground than that. I'll just say. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, so all I know is is let's put it this way: you think Chip isn't mentioning conference affiliation in his current recruiting pitches right now? Oh, of course, everybody. I mean, we we know we've heard a lot of USC doing it, and I'm sure UCLA is doing it as well. All right, so um, one one trip to the Midwest to to the to the mitten every X many number of years, and and what's that going to do versus not? I don't. But know. I think that that's more to do with conference prestige. Like, yeah, I think. I mean, again. The, the ability, like, especially if you're recruiting, like, let's just say in Chicago, right? Like the fact that you have so many schools within driving distance for away games for Oregon, that makes a lot of sense in giving you access as a gateway to the Midwest. But in a lot of ways, the current Big 12 format, those schools are every bit as spread out as they are on the West Coast in some cases. Like you have Cincinnati and UCF, which are way outside. The I was going to say, yeah, for all the things, you know, for everybody yeah. grip West grabbing Virginia. to the, yeah, the holy, well, you can't use West Virginia necessarily because if you, if you go to the Big Ten, you're going to have Ohio State and Rutgers. So you can't, you know, in Penn State. But UCF, I mean, there is, there's just no universe on which UCF and Oregon belong in the same conference. No, there's just I mean, no, heck, let's just join the ACC, right? Well, that's why I say, like, I, th- I mean, if to me, if you, you know, if you're, if you're not saying go to the Big Ten, I think you can make a stronger argument that a huge faction of the remaining Pac-10 should meld with the existing ACC because of the length of their yeah. grant of rights. Now, the thing is, is you know, it sounds nice and it's nice to play on the video game and draw that up, but, um, you know, I, I don't know what the ACC's grant of rights permits by way of increase of inventory and increase of uh geography um if that actually means oh well in that case now we'll be able to raise the revenues and and renegotiate i don't know if that's you know terms in the contract it's not like the uh 
it's not like the ACC network deal and all those things are just, you know, publicly available documents that are just there right. to be parsed through. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you Fun- fundamentally, but I think the point stands is that even, even if there wasn't all of these other tertiary obstructions to joining the, the big 12, whether it's academic standing, some of the other schools that are affiliated and their religious affiliations, um, that are all problems for upper campus, not for Yumi or or Doug. Um, I I still think that even financially, I don't know that it makes sense because I don't think it even short term improves your position for a, a long term Big Ten invite. Yeah, it, it does. That, that's to, that's to, to the point I make. Moving to the Big Twelve doesn't solve any of the underlying problems, right? It's just another form of kicking the can down the road, and and moving for the sake of moving has a lot of down downside effects too that we've talked about so it, it, yeah. it's a non-starter for me and I, I i think it's kind of silly to be honest yeah and look i mean like i say i think that the next move is obviously now the the pac-12's negotiations with its deal um and then once the league office gets you know feels it's maximized its its uh, prospective offers you know to come back to its its members with what those terms are um, and then for those, you know, for those institutions to make decisions about extending the grant of rights and putting themselves in the best position and upholding their fiduciary responsibility and blah, 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 blah. Um, when do you think we start seeing some kind of those initial leaks that the strategic leaks about what those numbers might look like? You think that's a couple weeks away, a couple months away? Um, I'm curious to see if there's something that let's put it this way. If somehow, some way, there is a legitimate cause for like real optimism, like an offer that like, wow, like this is really something, um, particularly since the national championship is in Los Angeles. I'd be very curious to see if there's a leak the second week in January mm-hmm. um, in that regard. Um, I'd be very curious to see that, you know, you're in L.A., but hey, you know, you know, the L.A. schools are leaving, but, you know, um, I think that could be a possibility. It would be a little early, but it could be a possibility from just a pure, you know, leaking of information. Not saying the information will be right, just <laughs> just there could be some, some leak of something. Uh, otherwise, yeah, probably more in that, you know, when is when is strategic? When is best? You know, you could try to do something ahead of um, the conference basketball tournaments, which usually there's the uh, there's there's meetings of athletic directors and or presidents in person around those sorts of events. Um, so you can have something ahead of something like that to kind of set the tone and agenda for, uh, the meeting to come thereafter. Um, but, and then there's spring meetings, the, uh, the last week in April slash first week in May, um, on the calendar to, uh, to get to that as well. Uh, so I think there's a couple of times shocked if it goes that long, that would be a little surprising. Yeah. Um, but that said, you know, these deals don't happen instantly. And it might, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it goes that long to get finalized, but I think we're going to start seeing more concrete numbers and information come out. You know, yeah, I mean, ultimately, to much, me... Much before let, that. Let's call it it. The longer it goes, the more the more this, this merry-go-round starts to lose stability. Yeah. Because and, and, and I the think grant the, of rights is up August 2nd, 2024. But I think and, the, the biggest concern to me is 
what happens if this does drag out or the numbers aren't good and those those schools that may be pondering a move to the Big 12 and who who do find it palatable or would find yeah. it palatable what if they make the move then then what the hell do you do that's you got, that's my point you got you got the 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 Northwest schools and Cal and Stanford sitting there on an island with six, like they're dead. That's my point. Yeah. That's my point is, you know, on one hand you could say, well, now that, you know, for sure you can proceed accordingly, then it's the deal, then it's expansion. Well, that's again, that's George's roadmap. And I'm not saying it's not going to come true. What I'm saying is, is all right, but if there's any delay, if there's any holdup, if there's any hesitation, then what if, yeah. What if the corner schools then bolt and then your pac 10 is left down to pack six. And, yeah, I don't even know, want to think and, about and that. And then obviously scenario. there's no viability in that in terms of, you know, actually staying competitive and you're not going to, you know, Cal and Stanford aren't going to suddenly say, oh yeah, now let's just add half the bit, the Mountain West to, to you know, like get out <laughs> well, of here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at that point, you know, the gig's up. So the longer it goes with, you know, and, and I'm not saying the longer in that, you know, we should expect them something in the next two weeks or one month, because again, Klyovkov has said nothing's happening by the end of the year. That's just not happening. Um, and I would be surprised if it happened by the end of January. Uh, it could take a little while. But if it if we go through the basketball tournament, the conference basketball tournaments, oh, and God, through the NCAA know. tournament, and yeah. we're heading towards spring meetings, and they're still like, what are they doing? What are they doing? Um, and where is the deal getting done? And we're at that point, 16 months away from dissolution. The the blood's in the water. Well, yeah, I'm, we can't go I mean, the blood's already in the water. Like we could play and pretend like it's not like Oregon. Like you said earlier, Oregon and Washington would jump. It, tomorrow. Like, right, yeah. They would ask how high they need to jump tomorrow to get in. So like my question is this because it's it's everybody knows that everybody who's negotiating with the Pac-10 knows that everybody all the other presidents and chancellors in the Pac-10 know that same thing with the Big 10 does that undermine the Pac-10's negotiating position at all with the, with their media rights people I don't think it undermines it really no because ultimately if you're you're negotiating on the premise that the 10 institutions are sticking together those are the terms of the deal and you make an offer based on that assumption if the if any party doesn't wish to uh, agree to it well then your offer is null and void so you, you make it under the premise that it's going to be the 10 that you know it to be and and that there's a potential for expansion in a couple of different areas and and how that might off you know alter things if expansion goes in those directions but with the degree of uncertainty that, well, you know, what if they got an invitation first? Well, it would have to be first. You can't say, well, if they, it's undermining the deal that they could get because uh, uh, if the invitation came thereafter, if they're tied into a grant of rights, then you're, you're tied. You're, you're, you know, you're pretty ironclad down. That's the way, it, you know, that's why the ACC is still together, quite frankly, if it were that easy. You know, then then I think we'd be a lot further along in all of this. Um, you know, contract law is a funny thing um, when, when the terms are as explicit as they are. So I, I don't think it really alters or, or undercuts um, what the value is simply because, well, they could go somewhere. Uh, no, I, I think it's it undercuts the value because of what the value of the collective of the remaining 10 is. 
um, I think is what impacts the value. I think a, a conference without a great, the greater Southern California, 12 plus million television sets, um, at whatever rate on a monthly basis, uh, uh, you know, that comes out to, I think that undermines the value. <laughs> I don't think the potential for, well, or Oregon or Washington, if they were, you know, if they got the invite, they'd leave. So, you know, it's not really worth that much. Well, it's like, well, it is as long as they're staying and we're offering under the premise that they're staying. Um, and by we, I'm saying Fox or ESPN or Apple or, or yeah. Amazon or whoever. Well, I guess, I guess I think that may, maybe, maybe I posed the question incorrectly. I think it becomes more of a question of like, how does it impact the overall stability of the other members? Because if Oregon and Washington are openly and like, again, I don't, I can't imagine that anybody is dumb enough to believe this hasn't been going on behind closed doors, but if they're openly out there really putting their nose to the grindstone to get some kind of deal done with, we'll just use the big 10 as an example. Like you would assume that that would also cause instability across the rest of the conference that might push the four corner schools to just make a move preeminently. Potentially, but at the same time, again, everybody is acting their best interest, and and just because uh, the Big Twelve might be willing to have them doesn't mean that that's you know absolutely a more lucrative option either. You know, it very well could be. It may not be. I don't know. You know, I don't know yeah. what the, the new Big Twelve's terms are in terms of you know how much more would it or wouldn't it expand um, its opportunities uh, and its revenue streams to add uh, you know a second school in Utah. Um, you know. Colorado and, and, uh, the Denver market and, uh, and the Arizona schools, um, and the Phoenix market. I, I don't know. Um, you know, logic can tell you lots of things, but again, like, but if it's not drawn up in the terms of the deal, then, you know, no matter how much saber rattling the big 12 is doing and, and they should be, um, I, I'm not sure it's just an absolute foregone conclusion that like, well, then they should, they might, they might not again, every. Until you know, until everybody who is making these decisions really knows exactly what the numbers are going to be, and is faced with the accounting of that, and then you know beyond the oh okay well that's what the conference's deal is, that's the bottom line overarching big number. Again, what is the fractional number? What is the revenue distribution? Is there unequal distribution? What's the playoff distribution? All yeah. these things that have to get hashed out. I, if I were any of the institutions making this decision, in the pact in the existing conference that is, um, I would not make a, a conclusive decision until I knew the answer to any number of the financial numbers that, that need be. Right. I wouldn't just want to say, oh, well, you got the offer from Fox or ESPN for X. Sounds good or not. Um, like I, I want to know a lot more. Um, and and yeah. I don't think you're going to get all of that in the next month and that's not the way that the people making these decisions operate right like i mean like the, the amount of twitter pressure that you know fan bases and even even you know some people media members put on some oh you should jump to the big 12 yesterday and like nobody's making that decision like rashly right you, you don't even have all the information yet to be able to make the right decision it's it's just kind of silly talk but uh, you know to put a bow on this like let's you know, James, if you had a prediction, if you had to predict where, what conference is Oregon playing football in when the 2024 season kicks off, what would your answer be? Boy, oh boy. I, man, oh man. 
if I had to just handicap it at the moment, just total conjecture, I'm going to preface it with all of that because, again, like I, I say something, it's going to be, oh, well, he said it, so therefore you know, he's <laughs> hearing things from these people and they, you know, you know, slap that on a message board and say it's a thing. I mean, about five people um, listen to the podcast. So I don't think you need to well, worry about too yeah, much coming yeah, from it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I would, as of today, I'd say it's more likely than not, it's whatever we're calling the Pac-10, 12, 14, 16, whatever it is. Um, in part because until I see the Big Ten, one, willing to expand beyond 16, and two, with said expansion, um, that it's willing to do so with somebody being less than a full member. Now, those are two really big ifs. You know? um, I mean, they've done the less than the full member thing in the past with Maryland and Rutgers. But so it was I, temporary. But it was temporary. Yeah, you were yeah. earning your way towards. Yeah. I don't know under what planet and what population projection anybody would be saying and guaranteeing Oregon a full share at, you know, whatever the number was north of 50, 60 million dollars on an annualized basis. Um, until the big 10 shows a willingness to do that, uh, at all beyond just, you know, ambiguous conversation. I'm going to say it's more likely than not that the status quo just kind of remains in the short term. You're asking me about 24, 24, 24 24 until, The end of whatever yeah, the term the, of the deal. Yeah, the 2030, is. 2031, whatever it is. Yeah. QB, what about you? What would your prediction be? The same. I, I think that it's going to be status quo. I mean, there's been all the rumors and report, like, air quotes reporting that took place this last offseason. And um, we were heavily involved in a lot of the speculation, as we have been since like well before the USC-UCLA move was announced. Yeah. Um, but it's I, I just don't see a climate currently that exists that would be I, I, don't, I just don't think that there's enough motivation for the Big Ten to move on Oregon and Washington. Um, and I I think that Notre Dame was going to have to be part of that deal for it to be possible. Yeah, I, I would agree with both of you. I think they're, the Oregon will be playing its football in 2024 in whatever the, the name of the current Pac-12 is at that time. So one more quick thing, James, before uh, before we let you go. Um, I'm sure there had to be something. I got got a filler question. So earlier this season uh, in a press conference with Dan Lanning, I think it was a Monday night press conference. (laughs) Oh boy. Here we go. I know it was a (laughs) statement made about a leg tattoo. And I think that was a post game presser, but okay. Yes. And I think that all Oregon fans deserve an explanation of the origin story of the tattoo and what the tattoo is. Uh, I, well, deserve, I don't know about deserve. Uh, I mean, they may, yeah, you know, I'm sure there might be people who are, would be enthralled by that, but, uh, uh, I can confirm that there is one. Uh, I can confirm that it's text. I confirm, confirm that that's no way that that was the first time that Dan actually saw it, but that he just used it as a way of deflecting, uh, from what was kind of a more sentimental question to him, which is fine. Um, but I can also tell you that, uh, you know, 
Is it? Uh, it's, it's not a matter of good, bad, or otherwise. It's just, is you know. It English? I, I, is it English uh, no. text? Can, can, <laughs> yes, yes. Can we get confirmation that there is a butterfly incorporated into the. <laughs> Shut up. You see, this is, <laughs> this, is why I don't, this is why I don't go there because, you know, I don't, you know. Is the word okay. mom it's, involved? I, I, I'm not, you know, again, I, I, don't, I don't go because I don't open up the door to, you know. When James flexes his vascular calves, is the mom. <laughs> His heart beats. The things that are the things that are you know uh, 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 have have certain meanings and whatnot. You know, it's one of those like, hey, you know, I I don't you know I don't have to put everything out there for. I you. totally respect your 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 uh, your privacy. privacy yeah. yeah, um, but yeah, I just I thought of, I remembered my question, but go ahead. And and the, yeah, the last question is is, is the uh, the rumor of a matching tram stamp of Brandon Marcello. <laughs> Is that is that true? So Brandon actually has one. Um, uh, he has a uh, so he's uh, you would appreciate. Well, you're kind of nerdyish. Um, so he's a, a big RoboCop guy, huge RoboCop guy. I'm gonna say just big, like humongous. Like that's okay. for him. Like that is like his holy grail. Like some people, RoboCop. Star Wars, huge. Huge. Wow. Just get him. Like, trust me. <laughs> an obscure franchise these days to, to be that big of a fan. And I don't mean because like whatever the last movie was not that long ago, whatever, whatever. No, no, no. Like no, the, the original, OG. the original, the, the original, original. Yeah. So he's got like, so he's got that on, uh, on, on one of his uh, upper arms. He's got uh, uh, a RoboCop and he's got one of the, the uh, lines of the movie or something in there. So, um, and I'll just say ambiguously, just so that, you know, before I, I open up the, the floodgates to uh, ramp speculation and whatnot, um, uh, mine is a song lyric, um, and that's all I'll say. Like, I'm not, again, I'm not going down there. And I'll, I'll, okay. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll even tell you the band. Just got, it's a Godsmack song lyric. It's obscure. It's not one of the major songs um, at all. It's a, it's a, you want to talk about like deep cuts. It's, it's not a hit. It's not anything that ever got radio play. It's not anything that, you know, it's a deep cut song and that's, that's that. Um, but yeah, so Marcelo has, has one that I'm aware of. I don't think he has any others, but yeah, he's got a RoboCop thing. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think, uh, like you, you write so many of these like feature length profiles on Oregon players and coaches. I think it's about time that, uh, we got some on the media, so I think I think that's going <laughs> to well, be an off-season, an off-season project. Yeah, of mine. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you can you can uh, uh, have me back on in uh, in the middle of June when exact when everybody's uh, um, you know on beachfront properties and uh, enjoying themselves in the summer. Um, you can have me on when when even fewer people are listening, and we can go over uh, yeah <laughs> exhaustive uh, deep probing uh, questions of uh, yeah. Just get, get get to know the the uh, me- the media members that cover our team a little bit better, so that um, so we- that there used to be um, on the the Yankees beat. And I think he may do it on occasion still. He's not on the beat anymore. He's a national columnist for The Athletic. But Mark Carrig, um, he, who's still in the New York area, still covers you know, New York baseball for The Athletic. Um, he used to do something during rain delays uh, that was, uh, you know, like no, no, the no year Yankee beat writers. Um, so during rain delays, he would just shift gears because obviously all those guys were on the road, you know, with each other year round. So he would just pose questions and say, you know, which Yankee beat writer did whatever or is from where or went to school here or you know whatever the whatever the question was um so at one point i did that a couple of years ago i was covering auburn because there was actually a rain delay and i was like well how often do you actually have a chance to do that um and it was during a football game by the way it wasn't like a college baseball game so uh yes if there were ever actually um a significant enough delay i would i would think of doing such things uh, on the oregon beat but uh, alas um 
you know, we just haven't, you know, well, it does never rain at Autzen Stadium. What can I say? So, you know, no matter what, there's just not, not enough for a delay, at least. Um, hey, we had that lightning delay close, last yeah. year. You could have done yeah. that. Um, yeah, but it was uh, brief. Okay. Yeah, one, one long enough to queue up the uh, the trivia questions. That's true. Uh, so one more one more semi-serious question before we let you go. Um, do we expect to get a uh, 2023 football schedule release here in the coming weeks? Oh yeah, in the coming weeks for sure. I'm not. I, I was one of the things I was remiss in asking Klyovkov last week, um, and and some of the other folks, and and Martin Hanks and and whoever. Um, but yeah, I actually meant to reach out to them even earlier today just to say, hey, uh, I know you got this big thing going on this afternoon, but uh, when is that schedule coming out? Because um, yeah, theoretically, I mean, shoot, theoretically, it could have shown up already. It could show up tomorrow. It could show up a month from now. Um, but I think I think last year I want to say the 22 schedule. Uh, and conference schedule, obviously, because everyone knows the, the non-conference already. Um, the 2022 Pac-12 conference schedule, I think, came out last mid-January-ish, I want to say. It was, it was yeah, January. I think it was right. mid-January, yeah. Yeah. Uh, around like the, the, the 22nd or so, give or take, maybe the 12, 22nd, somewhere in there. Um, but if you go back to, to 19, um, uh, the 19 season, I think it was mid to late December. I don't think it went all the way to January. So... Somewhere in this general ballpark. So when you say coming weeks, I would say there's a very high likelihood that the 23 Pac-12 conference schedule will come out within the next month. That could be within the next, you know, by the time people are listening to this, like it, it could be that soon. I, I really don't know. I meant to ask yeah. um, and, and check with folks. But uh, yeah, I would imagine it's it's not too far around the corner. Well, and that will give us something to talk about when it does. We'll break down who's got a good schedule, who's got... Yeah, of course, we, everybody knows who plays who. It's just a matter of what dates they're on and buys and back-to-back road games and all the stuff people get all you know worked up about. But, uh, James, uh, it's been an hour. We we appreciate you coming on the show. It's You've been a great guest. So, obviously, James Crepia, a beat writer for the Oregon Ducks, all thing Oregon, Oregon Ducks for the Oregonian. And, James, I say this with all seriousness. Like, the Oregon fan base is really lucky to have you covering the beat down there you do a fantastic job of what you do and and certainly the way you engage the fans on social media and on on spaces and on twitter and, and everything is, is also a big benefit so uh, you know keep up the good work and, and i'm really happy to have gotten to know you and, and really appreciate you coming on our show well yeah no i appreciate you guys and yeah certainly obviously with the last uh, year in particular um yeah that the twitter spaces forum has been a lot of fun it's been great to engage with you two it's been great to engage with lots of lots of really passionate fans and all that and that's part of the fun of all this like let's also remember like yeah obviously for as much as you know it's big money and wins and losses in sports is stuff to take seriously and i i just love fans passion and following of whatever you know whatever sport we're talking about at the time and you know my life doesn't change based on the wins or losses. My income doesn't change on the wins or losses. Um, so I am, you know, I'm a neutral party in all of it. But I love the fact that, you know, regardless, that I, I've, I'm fortunate enough to be covering programs that people care that passionately about to where they're up on Twitter spaces, you know, until one and two in the morning. And the, I think each of you have passed out falling asleep uh, in, in some of those over the, the last year. Um, that's awesome. And that, you know, really passionate and form fans can uh, have a forum like this. Uh, and a show like this that other fans know to go to uh, and that has credibility because of how much you guys care and how much stuff that you guys do um, and the stuff that you bring to the table. So it's great to have that. Um, I'd rather have it than not in terms of my, for my own professional capacity, uh, you know, to have people like that, it's it beats apathy. That's for sure. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Like I say, I enjoy it and uh, certainly appreciate you guys having me on. Um, even though again, it, it, it took a while, uh, you know, but I won't hold it against you. Baby. Well, you know, the, yeah. the, the second date, 
is usually quicker than the first date. So we'll we'll get you back on to talk more actual football stuff. I think that that's it, to be honest. I know this has become a, a compliment James Crepia segment here for a moment, <laughs> but like we've we we are very lucky to have you. Like I read what other beat writers are writing across the country for different teams. Um, teams that I follow myself and like, frankly, like you, you do as good a job as anybody, if not better than everybody. So we, we do really appreciate that. And, um, you're the first beat writer that I can read without hacking up my lunch in a long time. I, I appreciate it. I, 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 I know. I'm glad that you're not have to break out Pepto-Bismol or anything for me. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are some people out there. Most yeah. definitely. In fact, <laughs> hopefully some people out there do. I'm, I'm sure just the people, you know, again, everybody who watches the press conferences and uh, uh, thinks that's all that there is to reality. I'm glad that I bring them a lot of enjoyment. Um, if it gets your blood pressure going, I'm glad that that happens too. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why I say that is not because I'm trolling. No, I'm glad because, again, that means that there are people who are passionate. Yeah, um, well, I mean, we have to go. To, we don't. We're not going. We don't have the time. We're not going to go down the rabbit hole of the the whys and the methods and all everything else. Um, it doesn't matter. It, it it doesn't make a difference. Bottom line, it, hey, I I love the fact that people care. Yeah, um, it, it's great. You know, it, the people are that passionate and care that much. That's awesome. That's be- tremendous. The best thing that ever happened to our relationship, James, is you dropping the flanker moniker for the Z receiver. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, first off, like as if I just made it up. Okay. (laughs) I'm just glad like like moving to Oregon, coming out here to the West Coast, getting out of uh getting out of Barner territory. Like I think like now that you're using more modern uh terminology. So what you know, I'm old, so when I played high school football, like that like literally the positions on our team were flanker, split end. Right, uh, yeah. but I haven't heard those terms in like twenty years until well, you brought them back up all right. again. Well, again, <laughs> <laughs> again, I, I didn't make them up. First off, second, second, off, <laughs> second off. If it, and if you ask the coaches, they were fine. It was some of the players who didn't, which is fine. Lastly, uh, related to that in terminology, how glad are you that we that that you and I didn't have to try and give everyone a crash course in in the numeric system this past year? No, that, that was. Came, that, that was good with XYZ because if you because if I had to write two nine five four and three all season and try to explain that to people, no matter no matter how many podcasts you would have had, no matter how many times you would have had me on, nobody would have known what the hell we're talking. No, about. it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, really, like to be honest, like from for for most fans, just breaking delineating by outside receiver and slot is plenty well enough. Um, I was going to say if if we really had to sit there and break down what the two receiver was to everybody. I, yeah, people's heads would have exploded. Yeah, no, I think, and, and thankfully, like, Will Stein's an X, XYZ guy, so yeah. it's going to be the same, but it'll be nice for all the players to learn and to kind of live in the same terminology ecosystem and for fans as well, so I think the consistency here from year to year will be helpful for everybody involved, although um, I'm, I am excited to spend some more time this offseason kind of diving into UTSA stuff and I think that'd be a good time to have you back on again as well, um, once you've had a little bit more time to digest, and we can talk about maybe some differences that we that we notice. Yeah, no, I, I've really barely had a chance to scratch the surface on it myself. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and a lot of meeting Will and, and chatting with him and all those things. But also, yeah, to really um, uh, get into and, and pull up any old clinic stuff, not just from from him, but anybody from you know that greater apparatus, and, and pulling up because uh, uh, if you go back and see some old comments of you know when when he. I think from Jeff Trailer even talking about, you know, well, the West Coast thing and that melding with what Trailer was doing and um, all those sorts of deals. So it, it is 
it's something that he's already kind of used to in terms of melding systems. So um, I'm, I'm curious to kind of delve into his background further and then, you know, yes, to uh, um, get his perspective on, on how what he is bringing to the table melds with what they have and, and all that kind of stuff and the inside football stuff. So we'll definitely have plenty of time in the offseason to get that. But again, really, really appreciate you guys having me. Appreciate what you guys do. Um, and, and having this uh, and having this podcast, man, which I think you guys have done a, a great job with throughout the year. Truly, I know you've, you've been uh, uh, buttering me up here uh, the last couple of minutes, but no, truly, I think you guys do a, a killer job. You know, I don't, I don't, God knows, I don't hop on a million of these things, um, but uh, but no, truly, when you asked originally and, and whatnot, I, I really wanted to make it happen because you know you guys have been great. You guys have been killer in the Twitter Spaces deal. You guys have been great to interact with. Everything's been civil. Uh, doesn't mean that we agree on every which thing. We most certainly do not. But to have people who are informed enough, passionate enough and civil enough uh, to, you know, to have real conversation in, in sports, which is still what it's about. Um, that's great. Again, love people's passion. That's awesome. So, no, again, you guys you know, start up a firing up a podcast out there and, and do what you're doing and have it on, you know, members of the coaching staff and stuff as you guys have had. That's awesome, man. Like I say, you know, how many fans out there, how many, you know, regardless of fan base, regardless of school, how many people can really say they've done it? You guys have done a really nice job with it so far. Glad to come on and uh, look forward to coming on again. Yeah. Appreciate, appreciate that. Uh, Make sure to follow James at James Crepia on Twitter. Uh, Follow the podcast at QB 11 show. We're going to have a lot more of this kind of stuff coming this off season. I'm I'm actually almost more excited for off season content. I don't know about you, Doug, but I think that it, we're going to have a lot of flexibility. We're going to have a lot of access to good guests. Um, and I think we're going to be able to go in depth now that we have a year sample size under Dan Lanning on on the things that we saw this year, the things that we see going into the future, some of the adjustments that we can monitor over the off season. And um, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of take this next step into, into chapter two of this whole podcast journey and, and see where this thing goes. So um, everybody stay safe this weekend. We will talk to you on Monday.